<clears throat> those are some things to look forward to. Here we're at the Omaha Vineyard. We don't pass a plate, but we do have a couple of offering boxes. There are also uh, several online uh, options. We have our website, um, omahavineyard.org, which has a giving link. Takes you to PayPal, very secure. We also have our Church Center app, if you like. Technology. And uh, if you like working off of your you know, off of an app rather than a website, you can go to churchcenter.com, find, or download the Church Center app, find Omaha Vineyard Church, make us your church, and then there's a giving option in there too. Uh, you can always, old school, write a check and put it in the mail to our P.O. box. We don't receive mail here at 4212 South 50th Street, but we do at our P.O. box. And you can find that P.O. box number on our website, on our app, on our Facebook page. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are faithful, that the sun always rises, and that the seasons have their time, and that we're coming into spring in such a beautiful, sunny way here in Omaha, Nebraska. And I don't think it's audacious to say that we here in Omaha are the apple of your eye. It's not that we're special or different from others, but we are the apple of your eye. And so, Lord, we... in humility receive your love and your favor as the apple of your eye. May we experience you through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Saul Cruz here at Omaha Vineyard Church. So when... We, we had a big um, upgrade in our family years ago where we went from living at 42nd and Izzard streets to moving to 132nd and Center. That was a big upgrade for us in terms of you know, house size and a fenced-in yard and closer to work and closer to church and closer to friends. Um, one of the things that this house uh, had was a, a finished basement that had windows in the basement. Well, what we found out was that rain would come into those inserts in the ground and water would come in through those windows and roll down the the wall. Well, when we saw water dripping down, we said, oh, well, we got to fix this. And paneling, wood paneling on the bottom half of the wall was part of that, that room. And when we opened, when we removed the paneling, do you know what we found? Mold. The mold had always been there, or was there before we removed the paneling. But removing the paneling revealed the mold. Which we ended up having to having to deal with, and <clears throat> I heard on a podcast in the last couple of weeks that the the 2020 pandemic was apocalyptic in nature. In that, ap- apocalypse means a reveal, you know, like l- remove a cover. 
The pandemic in 2020 was apocalyptic in nature in that it revealed what was really underneath what was always there. And what I'm talking about is in us. Because not only did we have, um, you know, the health scare, there was also lots of turmoil that year related to prejudices, right? Racial prejudice, religious prejudice, gender prejudice, um, age-related prejudice, poor versus rich, cultural prejudices. It also revealed kind of our tendencies, right? Our tendencies of anxiety, fear, suspicious, um, as well as, you know, positive tendencies, faith, strength, kindness. It, it was almost like a magnifying glass that not only did it, rev it you know, uncover things that were always there, but it, it like made them bigger. And in some cases that was very difficult. And in some cases it was very encouraging. What it also made us, uh, many of us have to face is our coping mechanisms, right? Is coping, is a coping mechanism, you know, is it blaming other people? Is it eating? Is it porn? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Right? What, what are the things that we turn to to comfort ourselves that might not be positive or good for us in the long run? Right? So regarding the stuff that we don't like, the stuff that's not reflective of God's kingdom, there is an undercurrent of a power game, isn't there? <clears throat> where, again, we're trying to protect ourselves and comfort ourselves. And in this life, there are lots of options, lots of options. And there are the kingdom options, and then there are the world options. And we've got freedom to choose. So all this has been going on underneath, and the pandemic hits, and the underneath is revealed. Here's the good news. This revelation, this apocalypse, is an opportunity for healing. When we uncovered that there was mold in our basement wall, Oh, it's right there. I can't deny it. Now I'm going to deal with it, right? And, it, and it's kind of the same thing where, you know, all of a sudden there's all this pressure and anxiety, right? And what, what does that lead to? What, what are our reactions? And then we, we see, because we're stuck with ourselves at home, a lot of us, what those reactions are and... It's undeniable. 
What are we going to do about it? If you recognize some non-kingdom prejudices or tendencies in the last year, or if you've never felt hopeful about being free from the behaviors that embarrass you, let's look at what God has to say about the transformation that he offers. Let's pray. Lord God, you are good. You are a good father. And whether or not we look to you, whether or not we run to you, whether or not we submit to you underneath and always, you are present and you are at work and you offer gifts, good gifts. Lord, I pray that this is a message of hope and a message that challenges us to say yes to you in areas that we have not liked. Amen. All right. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, this is a, a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. The Corinthians. If uh, Paul was reading to, uh, uh, writing to us, it would be the Omahans, right? Or the Bellevuarians. Or the Ralston, Knights. Ralstonites. Or the Papillions. <laughs> the Butterflies. Wherever you live. The Bensoners. The Kansasers, the Iowans, friends of our vineyard. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read, I'm going to start in uh, verse 7, and then we're going to take a, then we're going to take a trip back in time, because Paul mentioned something about Moses, and I want to make sure we've got the context. All right. Everyone confused? Excellent. Let's go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. What? All right, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn back in time. To Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35, and I've got them highlight. Oh, I had a highlight. Sometimes things don't translate. We found that out this morning. I, wait for it, am changed. It's a little inside joke here. Anyways, <clears throat> Exodus chapter 34. Oh, here it is. Starting in verse 29. So, <clears throat> Moses and the Israelites, they just got out of uh, Egypt. They're in the wilderness. God has set up, uh, you know, like his, um, his communication system for the Israelites. It's through Moses. Moses goes up to the mountain of God. And when he comes back down, when Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware 
that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to God. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. Uh, where was I? I probably shouldn't have done that. Can I... Covered his face with the veil. Verse 34. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. And then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him. And the people would, of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Okay. So that is what Paul is referring to when he's talking about uh, Moses' face showing. Okay, I'm going to go back to 7 and I'm just going to start all over. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. The old way with laws etched in stone led, the, led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory than under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Verse 12. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day... Whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. We're coming into the, the kind of the main verses we're going to be digging into, but I wanted to make sure we had this, you know, understanding. Paul is a prolific idea presenter, and he paints pictures with his words, and I wanted us to not just look at, you know, two inches by two inches, but I wanted us to look at the whole, zooming in. Verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There is no separation between God and man. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious 
image bless you. So Moses would speak face to face with God and his face would become radiant and glow and people would see his glowing face and that would scare them. And what Paul is saying is that between the times of him going into the tent of meeting to talk with God, that glow would start to fade. But he's saying that this new way, the way of Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit lasts forever. And the, the shine, the glory of God's revealing can't help but shine through us. So here are the, the, these last two verses are the ones we're, we're going to be digging into. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3.17, 3, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That sounds like one of our vineyard worship songs, doesn't it? And here's the truth, guys. Here, revelation. But it shouldn't come to a shock to anybody. Everyone who has come to faith in Christ has been a slave to something. Those slave drivers could be unforgiveness, fear, pride, lust, greed, attention, deceit, or religion, or any other of a long list of masters that have controlled us. For those of you who are in Christ, what slave driver were you set free from? When I, when I was uh, 18, just graduated from high school, I went on a trip to Colorado with my youth group um, to a conference, and it was there that the Lord got a hold of me. And... Three things changed in me. One was my, my language. I like to shock with four-letter words like risk and other dirty ones. And that changed. Second, I had a desire to tithe. I had a desire. I had a desire to obey and give to the Lord from my earnings. And number three, I was concerned for the, the kids. Having been a senior in high school, you know, from people I knew that I had shown a bad way to. What slave driver were you set free from? All right, now we're going to go into 2 Corinthians 18. We're going to take, this is a long one, so we're going to break it up into two parts. 18a. 
I'm going to read 17 again. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. There is a transformation, the Bible tells us, that occurs when our faces are unveiled. But Paul doesn't say face, does he? He says mind. He says when the Israelites hear the writings of Moses, a veil comes over their mind. They put themselves back in that position of fear of the glory of God and needing a barrier between them and radiance of God's transformation on Moses' face. There is a transformation that occurs when our faces are unveiled and we continually gaze on God's glory. Worship facilitates this. Was there a time in your life where you felt completely exposed before God and he met you in a powerful, transforming way? This makes me think of two things. One is like when something is dirty and water washes over it and continues to wash over it, continues to wash over it, and those little bits start to break down and, and, and move away. And it takes time, right? The transformation isn't instant, but... It goes from being dirty to being cleansed. And that's that happens when we gaze on God's glory. We gaze on who he is. The other thing that makes me think of is, I think it's from the voyage of the Dawn Trader, where Lucy's, not Lucy and Edmund, who's their cousin? Eunice becomes a dragon, Eustace. Eustace is greedy, and he puts on a gold band, and then he takes a nap in a cave, and when he wakes up, he's turned into a dragon. And Aslan, the lion, who is the, the, the Jesus in the um, C.S. Lewis series, frees Eustace with his claws by tearing through the dragon skin to free the boy inside. When, when we got this stuff that's underneath and it gets revealed, it's an opportunity for healing. 2 Corinthians 3.18, B, if you're following along. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Throughout our lives, the Spirit will work in us in many ways, all to make us real disciples of Jesus. 
How could you utilize this season, this time frame, to approach God with a new willingness to be transformed in your relationships with God, with people, with yourself, with creation all around you? One of, the, um, one of the movements that I've gotten exposure to through um, uh, Multiply Vineyard, which is uh, the Vineyard Movement's uh, church planting movement, <clears throat> is, is something called a Discovery Bible Study, where you take a sheet of paper and you you know, draw lines on it. So you've got three sections. And you take a look at, at a scripture. And in the first part, you write down word for word what the Bible says. And that's really good. You're using your eyes, you're using your hands, you're using, you know, multiple senses to write, to dig into scripture. The second column You take these, these words of scripture and you put it in your own words. It's like a paraphrase. And then in the third column, <clears throat> it's reflection. If, if these are God's words and he's inviting me to do something, what do I do about it? How do I obey And I, I heard a, um, a guy in a video um, from oh, um, Multiply Vineyard talking about how this Discovery Bible study, like, has taken off in, he was talking about California and Central and South America, and how <clears throat> the, the same scripture, they were looking at Genesis, they were looking at the creation and a woman who was, you know, going through this study with, you know, another couple of people, who was a complainer. She was always complaining. She looks at, at the creation story, and that third column for her is, if God is so big and everything is his creation, why am I complaining? And she changed. Whoever had told the speaker that I was listening to said it had only been a couple of weeks since she had been in this Discovery Bible study, and already people could see the difference. She had heard, she had read the Bible, she had heard from God, and she was transformed. And he told another story about a new believer who, again, was reading Genesis, reading the creation story, putting in his own words, and then he gets to that third column. And this was his moment. This was his, what he heard from God. If 
This is God's creation. Then I should take care of his creation. And I should repent of how I have poorly treated his creation. Again, he read the Bible. He understood it in his own words. And God spoke to him. And it changed him. It, it, and and uh, it, isn't it interesting that this new believer who wants to obey God recognizes part of what was underneath that has now been revealed because the veil is off is that I have treated God's creation poorly and I need to repent. I need to change my mind from, you know, whatever, trash the planet to honor and care for God's creation. Speaking of transformation, let's look at Romans 12.2. Paul, writing to the Romans. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I am amazed at how God works. And it wasn't until I read those words that I realized that's exactly what that, those Discovery Bible Study students were experiencing. We can either conform to the world, to its attitudes or its opinions, or be transformed by the Spirit into the likeness of Christ. Which would you like to see occur? Because, again, the, the, the revelation can mm, make us not like us, right? These prejudices. I didn't realize I, I was, I didn't realize I was <clears throat> considering myself better than other people. But now I can't not see it. I didn't realize I had these tendencies, or I thought it, I thought it was not that big a deal, but now I see that ugh, under pressure, these tendencies are, they're like all the time, and they're damaging. My coping mechanisms are embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> Let's not pull punches. Yes. And there's an opportunity for healing. God's not surprised by what gets revealed is underneath, at work underneath you or the world. He's not surprised. And he's always willing to transform us and our world. But it's when we recognize it 
That's when true healing can occur, right? If anybody's ever been, you know, in counseling or knows somebody that's been in counseling, you, you know there's, a counselor doesn't fix somebody. A counselor, their goal is to equip the person to receive healing. And if you don't recognize you need healing, it's hard to force healing on somebody. What the stress and anxiety of the last year revealed in you, right, the, the tendencies and prejudices that were already there underneath, the power games that you play to protect yourself or to try and earn your salvation, to those God offers you healing and transformation. He offers hope and change. And those words uh, made me think of the um, President Barack Obama's first campaign, right? He, it was a campaign, hope and change, right? Um, did we experience change? Honestly, it's been so many years I can't remember. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what kind of change or, or hope I personally experienced uh, under the presidency of uh, Barack Obama. Because one of the reasons why is I didn't spend any personal time with President Barack Obama. And that's not his fault, right? It would be impossible for one man or woman to personally visit with and impact a whole country. Even Billy Graham, with as far-reaching and effective ministry that he was able to, I don't know, maintain influence while he was alive, could not deliver hope and facilitate change with every person in this or any other country that the Billy Graham Association ministers in. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, the Lord is Spirit, and spirit can personally visit and impact every person in the world. Spirit can heal. Spirit does give hope. Spirit does make us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The old way was laws for you to keep and the glory of the Lord and the understanding of truth was covered by a veil. But with the new way, the veil is removed by believing in Jesus. The veil is taken away and you can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Lord makes you more and more like him as you are changed into his glorious image. 
God transforms you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you learn to know God's will for you. And your thoughts and actions and treatment of others reflects the glory of the Lord. You represent the Lord who is spirit. That is the transformation that happens when you encounter Jesus. That is good news. So what would it look like for our church to be changed, to be transformed by God? Hopefully it wouldn't be too changed because, well, yeah, change us, Lord. Go ahead. Reveal, change. Hopefully we're doing some of this. (laughs) Open to the leading of the Spirit. Engaging in worship to facilitate Gazing on God's glory. Expecting his presence and his faithfulness to keeping his word. There's some hope. What would it look like for uh, Omaha Vineyard to be transformed by God? Looking for opportunities to bless and be generous with others. We've been good at that. Let's see what else God might invite us into in that arena. Experiencing and embracing God's love for us and sharing his love with our neighbors. Like the Discovery Bible study, reading the Bible and hearing from God. We are transformed into his glorious image as the Spirit makes us more and more like him. The change, the transformation that will occur, thankfully, is not up to us. God already loves you just the way you are. One of the, the, the values of the Omaha Vineyard Church, the Vineyard Movement, is come as you are. One of the things that we, we've, we've heard and I've said before is God loves you right where you are and he loves you too much to let you stay there. The doors of heaven are always open. And remember the story of the, um, the prodigal son? He's out there. He comes home. He's inside at a banquet. And where is the father? He's outside with the son whose feelings are hurt. The doors of heaven are always open. And the father is out there. Loving and engaging 
and drawing. And he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus was obedient, even to death. And God's plan was that his death redeems us. You don't have to get all figured out before you come to Jesus. You can just say yes to Jesus. Whatever is in your life. Whatever tendencies and prejudices and coping mechanisms you're in the middle of right now, you can come to Jesus and he can and does transform us starting in our spirit and in our mind and then in our actions and our words. Heavenly Father, thank you for the miracle of your goodness, the miracle of your love, the, the, your willingness to not just interact with us, but to send yourself as a man to have to live down here with us, like us, to save us. Lord, may we experience your spirit wherever we are, whenever we're listening to this message, Lord. May we experience your spirit. Lead us to your word. Speak to us through your word. May we hear you, God. And may we be transformed as we obey you. We, see, we say yes, Jesus. And we say transform us, Jesus. Make us more and more like you as you change us into your glorious image. The neighbors and the co-workers and the rude people that we see and have to interact with, God. May we reflect your glory to them. May they be curious and desirous of hope and transformation. And may we point them to you. Amen. We're going <clears> to <throat> go into ministry time in a couple of minutes where if you feel like you've gotten something from the Lord, whether it was through, you know, during worship or um, any time, or maybe even in the last week, as the Lord's, you know, putting on your mind um, a person or a pain or maybe a, a scripture 
right? Or, or song lyrics like we, we seem to be getting. That'll be your opportunity to share those. Also, if you've got a pain, if you've got things that you want to receive a ministry regarding, that'll be your opportunity to share those. And we'd be pleased as punch to bear those burdens with you. Let me read our, our blessing from Numbers chapter 6. I'm going to go with the message version because I like it. God spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. Say to them, God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. In so doing, they, Aaron and his sons, will place my name on the people of Israel and I will confirm it by blessing them. Omaha Vineyard Church, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. May he bless you this week. Amen.